don't know how many of you watched the Channel 4 TV series called The Island, Bear Grylls Island. How many watched it? Yeah, how many kind of felt at the end of it a little bit tempted to say, I want to go on the island? Only you. <laughs> <laughs> I am... I have to, I've had this fantasy about being lost on an island <laughs> for years. And when I was 18, I had a little um, little tin that had survival stuff in it. I think I had a fishing hook. I think I had a couple of matches. I just had a knife. And my brother once locked me in the garden with my tin. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was safe. I was safe. I could survive. And so I've always had this fantasy. Would, what would I be like? And... I think one of the things you noticed on the island was when people began to get hungry and thirsty. That on the boat, they're all they're about to go on the island, they're going to be abandoned on the island for one month, and they've got no food, no water, apart from a little bit to get them started. And they're all kind of chummy, and they're getting on okay. And then they struggle to light a fire. It takes them 12 hours to light a fire, which means they've run out of water, so you've got... 13 men dehydrated and hungry and then you see some of them who lose all strength and all vitality so you've got hungry people who've got no strength to go and look for food and then uh, how many of you get grumpy when you get hungry (laughs) So, so these guys are now hungry and grumpy and uh and some of them Kind of, you could, they just, all their weight fell off them. So they're kind of beginning to suffer from malnutrition and they're getting thin. Other of them kind of coped a little better. See, food, food and digestion is absolutely necessary for healthy life, isn't it? And you take that away and people's strength, capacity, ability, to build community, to do a day's work, to do all those things, just totally disappears. And I want to talk a little bit, because the Bible describes it, the the, the Bible inspired by God in many places, talks about itself being food. And I want to talk about two things, really. I want to talk about that, actually what Rob prophesied this morning was pretty much what I'm going to speak about. Is, is how the Bible and Jesus are bread and, uh, and a little bit of how we actually get into that so we receive that nourishment and actually get to go at that table. So I'm just going to read a few verses that describe the Bible describing itself as, as food. So one of those is in Matthew 4.4. 4. And Jesus, who has been led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit is in this context where the tempter comes and says to him, because he's hungry, tries to tempt him to do something that he is not meant to do. He says, if you are the son of God, in Matthew 4, 3, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of of God, and so Jesus is saying, "There's a sustenance, there's um, a, a nourishment, there's a food, there's a strength that's 
found in the, the words that God has spoken. Um, then in uh, Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 15 and verse 16, the prophet said, When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear, I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. Just talking about your word came to me and I, I digested it, I got hold of it, I, I chewed it over. In, Jer- in Joshua 1, it talks about do not let this book of the law depart, but meditate on it day and night. There's a sustenance, there's a strength, there's a nourishment. And then Psalm 119, um, verse 103, gives another. The psalmist says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So, this this book that 1 Timothy talks about being God-breathed, inspired by God, is a supernatural book that is actually full of food. Um, full of food. So it's that sweet, your, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And we'll look at other verses later. <coughs> I want to talk about something that might sound quite negative at first, but hopefully will inspire and, and lead to, to um, feasting, as we were kind of exalted to this morning, is, is about spiritual malnutrition. Um, like on the island, these guys didn't get to eat, and they were on this island for 28 days, and they didn't really get food. And they went from one day having food, the next day having no food, one day being like a feast, the next being like a famine. And they did lose vitality, they lost strength, they lost enthusiasm, their body began to waste, their strength dissipated. They just, in the end, many of them just laying in the sun and no capacity to engage with anything. I wanted to talk about spiritual malnutrition because one of the things we've said, and absolutely rightly so, that we don't work for God's favour, we have favour with God. So um, being made righteous, being accepted in Jesus, having a fresh start, a new beginning, a new heart mind, a new destiny, that's all total grace and that's not something we earn or merit or deserve or work for and so we've often had to unpack and unpick the idea that God's pleasure and love towards us is somehow contingent and dependent upon how many chapters we read of the Bible and so we've said actually whether you read it or don't read it does not change the heart of the Father towards you, you cannot earn God's presence or earn or merit his kindness through 
works. Galatians says that, actually. How did you receive the Spirit? How did God do the miraculous around you? Was it by works of the law, or was it through believing? And so, rightly, we'd say, actually, it's about believing. But there's also the truth that this book is honey, this book is bread, this book is life, this book is food, this book is nourishment. And so, in our lives, where we're not feasting and feeding upon this spiritually supernatural book, what can happen is spiritual malnutrition. And it can result in a lack of vitality, enthusiasm, strength, and spiritual muscle wastage because we're not eating. And I just want to describe a few ways in which we can get malnourished because I don't think we all arrive at not eating because of the same reasons. Sometimes people get malnourished simply because they just don't eat. Um, there's no... There's no room in life, no habit, no structure, no prioritisation, no food going in at all. And so some people find their lives, spiritual lives, lacking strength and lacking hope and lacking enthusiasm just because if they're honest, they haven't eaten a, a spiritual meal maybe in a very, very long time. Sometimes what happens is some people are malnourished because they live off scraps. They don't eat all week and sometimes on a Sunday you, you, you're here, we read the Bible, we preach and I, I, I'm not saying I don't value the preaching of the Bible but, but you can't just live on one meal a day, can you? You know, you can't just... You can't just eat this and never eat again until next Sunday or sometimes people will have one meal and then they might not have another meal until the next Sunday they come along so it could be they've not eaten for a month anything and so there's muscle wastage and strength disappears and they've not got what's necessary for a healthy spiritual life because they've lived off scraps or literally They've got nothing. Others of us can find ourselves malnourished through binge eating. We, we go along happily without God and we don't feel any necessity for God because life is going okay. And then suddenly maybe we hit a crisis or a difficulty and then we go on, we, we just start eating and eating and eating. And actually binge eating is not that good for you in the natural, it's not that good for your tummy is it I remember once I was making um, a video at university, I was studying video film and stuff and I was so engrossed in making this video I went into the edit suite on a Monday and I didn't eat again until the Friday and it wasn't spiritual fasting I was just so preoccupied and I remember at the end of the week thinking right I'm really hungry, I bought fish and chips and I remember feeling that this was the most horrible feeling of heaviness in my stomach thinking I'm still feeling dizzy, I don't really feel nourished, I just feel like I can't digest this and I think sometimes we can live off like that spiritually, that there's nothing happening nothing happening, nothing happening and then it's and we eat and eat and eat and it's not necessarily um, doing us the same amount of good as regular eating Sometimes it can, we can get malnourished through this. Now, this is a peculiar one. Um, 
we, we get paralysed by analysing. <laughs> the paralysis of analysis. So, what does that look like? We, we become more preoccupied with questions like, why, is my, why are my spiritual muscles getting weak? Why is my hope levels going lower? Where's my joy gone? Why don't I have any hope? Why do I feel so weak? And the reason is we're not eating, but we, we analyse the fruit of not eating, if it makes sense. We, we talk and talk and talk about, um, yeah, I'm feeling my vitality, my enthusiasm, my strength, my capacity is getting lower and lower. And we talk to one another about it. But what actually we, we need is a really good systematic eating program. We need to eat. And, and what we don't need to do is the paralysis of analysis. We need to get, get food in us. We need to eat. We don't need to understand how it works. We just need to get some food. The other one is this. And this is what happens to some of us. We actually are really, really good at the discipline of reading. But what it does to us is it leaves us feeling guilty and condemned and a failure. So we, we, look for, we go open the Bible and we're looking for, um, just for correction. We're just looking for God to tell us where we need to work. And we're looking just to find out where we're getting it wrong. And... So we read verses like, for your word is alive and active, it is. It is sharper than any double-edged sword, it is. It does penetrate even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, it does. It does show us God, it shows us us. Nothing in all hidden in creation is hidden from God's sight. Nothing, everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes to him who we must give an account, which is all true. So we pick it up, but we don't get any nourishment from it, because actually all we've We've stopped at verse 12 and we haven't gone to verse 14, which then says, Therefore, since we've got a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our, for our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so some of us live in Hebrews 4, 12, to 13 but never get to verse 14 so yeah there's a habit of reading the bible but it's not doing the good it needs to do because it doesn't lead you to the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy in your time of need so yeah sometimes the bible will lift the veil on our attitudes it will lift the veil on heart issues it will lift the veil on the lies we've believed it will lift the veil on where there's selfish ambition it will lift the veil on where there's fleshly attitudes but it lifts the veil to lead us to the throne of grace because we have a high priest who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and he's not going to condemn us. Um, so we can approach him with confidence. So sometimes people get malnourished because they're reading the Bible for just correction, but not reading the Bible for a relational connection with God. So that can be... Um, can be a reason for spiritual malnutrition. And let me say as well, some people um, won't eat any of it because of the feeling that if I pick it up, he's just going to tell me where I've got it wrong, where I need correction. And so there can be an attitude to this book, which is just, 
He's only corrective. He's, he's fault-finding. He's just going to tell me where I've fallen short. And the good news is, we all fell short of the glory, but now he shared the glory that he had with us in Christ. So, and we're going from glory to glory to glory. So the Bible is actually there to tell us who we really are, not just to tell us how dirty we are. Because we're not, if you're in Jesus, you're not dirty. You're glorious, and you're holy, and you're righteous, and without blemish. And so the Bible is to open up your eyes to who you really are. It's not to condemn you. But actually, if you don't know Jesus this morning, it's good to know that whatever you do, you can't, you've fallen short of his standard, and you can't get yourself to the standard of glory, of his perfection, by works, or by works of the law, or keeping rules. You have to come through Jesus. You have to trust that it's through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how you become the righteousness of God. That's how you get accepted. That's how you become a son and daughter. That's how you get an inheritance. It's not through your works. And some... Now, I want to say this really... Because this can be... This can, I don't want this to become over as harsh. So, some of us can find that our malnutrition, spiritual malnutrition becomes our identity and like you have some people who whose muscles are wasting away because they're not work, they're not eating and they analyse that but actually their, their analysis is they want to be stronger and they want to get fit and they want to be healthy sometimes it can settle into our heart that actually we don't want to be healthy and we like spiritual malnutrition and we want sympathy from spiritual malnutrition, but we don't really want to eat because what would we be if we were fit? Where would we get attention from anymore? Where would we get sympathy from in the future? And I think there's a big difference between compassion and sympathy. Sympathy is, oh, they're, they're, they're poor, poor you, your muscles are wasting away and you've got no joy and you've got no hope and you're really weak. Compassion is, for goodness sake, start to eat. <laughs> please start to eat come to the saviour and have a good meal even if you have to as it were put IV in to get your, your water and your sugar levels high just just eat if someone needs to put as it were spiritual IV for you there's friends and family let's do that but do it for strength do it that you might not be in a state of of, of wastage I hope you can hear my heart on that because I think that sympathy doesn't necessarily lead to a breakthrough Compassion does. I think sympathy doesn't necessarily lead to a solution. Compassion does. So, in the final part then, so, we don't want to be with spiritual malnutrition, do we? So this is a million miles from legalistically reading your Bible because God won't be pleased if you don't. He's a father and he wants us to eat. Okay? So, Rob said it prophetically this morning, God is calling us to a feast. God is calling us to a feast. God is calling us to be absolutely nourished and strong and be full and have strength and vitality and capacity and, and, and strength. And Jesus in John 6.33, he interestingly describes himself as food. Um, in John
he says in 33, for the bread of God, really he's describing himself as, as bread, is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So one hungry guy says, Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And then in 48 he says, the same chapter, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. You know their story? Israel were in Egypt, got them, took, took them out of slavery, brought them red to the, through the Red Sea, they were on the, la- on the way to their own land, and God fed them with manna, sweet kind of honey bread from heaven. But that kind of bread didn't um, lead, lead to them living. They died still. It was just food. And Jesus is saying, I'm spiritual bread. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread. I am the living bread. And so the Bible says, this book, God's word is like honey, it's like bread. And Jesus is saying, I am, I am living bread. I am living bread. So what I want to say to you, propose to you this morning is that you you can't read the Bible separate from a relationship with God. Because they're his words, that's what the bread is, it's the word of God. And Jesus is the, the bread, the living bread, the living bread of life. And so Jesus said to a bunch of people in... John 5.39, who believed that through just studying the Old Testament, that was going to save them. They said, you study the scriptures diligently, because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And so the, the Bible is is to be read relationally, is to be read, read to have an encounter, is to be read to meet with God. That it's in the meeting with God that the words become bread. It's in the meeting with God that the words become honey. It's in the meeting with God that the words become nourishment. It's in the meeting with God that they become strength and vitality. And so we, we pick up the Bible for an encounter with God. You know, some people say, I, I, I pray, and other people say, I just read, I read the Bible. Actually, prayer and reading the Bible are all about communion with God. And one of the great ways that we can experience the presence of God is to read the Bible with the Holy Spirit to have an encounter with God. So that these books do become living and active and vital and strengthening and do our bellies good as we eat and feast. And in that sense, it's not really about how much you read. It's about, did you get something from God? Is there something you've read that you're feasting on and eating? Sometimes we can think it was a job done because we're going through the Bible in a year, and that's a fantastic discipline. But if you just read chapter on chapter on chapter, but you never ever got any bread or a, a word that came from his mouth, it's not, it's not the full meal. You want something that comes alive. Because you want to feast upon the personal words that come from his mouth. And sometimes I've found I'm feasting upon, it might be a phrase or an idea or a personal word from his mouth that's come to me that I want to feast on for a long, long time. And one of the ways that I personally find 
feasting upon God really works for me is, is having an appointment with God where I say, I'm going to bring a Bible and a journal and a pen and I say, we're meeting together because I want to feast on your words. I want to hear your voice. I want to have bread from God and I'll just sit and write and maybe it'll be a verse that jumped out that I was reading and I just want to think about it and meditate on it and chew it over and dig into it and understand it and then bring in other verses that say the same thing because I want to understand God's heart on it. Doing a fun thing at the moment, Tim said a couple of weeks ago, reading the book of Acts as if I'd never read it before. Just saying I'm going to read it like a child would read it, like a kid would read it, where you just take, where you, where you believe everything. <laughs> Where you don't read it as, you know, I know that, I know that, I know that, I know that. But read it and be astonished and freshly amazed at the supernatural God that we serve. And to be freshly stirred to believe for the same kind of things that they experienced in the book of Acts. To be struck again afresh by Jesus' words. Wait here until the promise of the Father comes. The activity of the Holy Spirit to read verses like I'll make you witnesses when the spirit comes and you, you read again and again and again of the work of the spirit the, the, the power of the spirit who shook them and established them and gave them boldness and just reading it as a child you think wow the Holy Spirit you're really important aren't you <laughs> you're a real active agent in the establishment of the kingdom of God and the church and it just freshly coming and saying I, I want to be like those early people who, who wouldn't embark on anything until Actually, you want the spirit, the strength of God. So God is promising you a feast. God is saying to you there's a feast. In Psalm 23, Psalm 23, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows... Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. So what I want to say to you is this. We live in a dry and thirsty land, okay? But we're a people who God is preparing a table for where we can really honestly eat and be satisfied. I want you to believe that, that there's a sense around us, there's always a sense of the food that you need is something that's just outside of your grasp. And I want to tell you the bread that you need, the spiritual bread that you need is very, very close and very, very near and that you can enjoy a feast. But Jesus said, I am bread. God said, I'm going to lay a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I want to say that we can eat and feast upon the person of Jesus Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit and through engaging with this book with God so that living words come out of his mouth and feed our bellies. I want to tell you that you, you don't have to walk around. If you are in any way emaciated or spiritually malnourished or feeling weak or having no strength, I want to say there's hope for you that the God of all hope will give you hope in believing. That's what Romans says. We can turn to that. Because I sometimes feel that may the God of hope Fill you with hope and all joy and peace as you trust in him so you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, sometimes how we live is this. We have all of our spiritual guns facing outwards. 
at our circumstances, at the people in our lives, at our finances. We point them at our job. We point them at our difficulties. And we say, if, if this and this and this and this and this all lined up tomorrow, then I would have hope. Then I would be okay. Then I would overflow. Then I would be fed. Can I say to you, actually our spiritual guns all need to be faced inwards that the real issue is, if I believed God, if I trusted in him, if I was full, if I had some honey on my lips of his word, if I had a personal word from him, then I'll be okay. And so as we perpetually live longing for something to come into line around us, when actually what needs to happen is we come into line within our own hearts. And say the fundamental issue in my life is not, is not this set of circumstances. It's not that person. It's not my finances. It's not my job. It's not my, uh, my circumstances, my brother or my sister. It's none of those things. It's actually the reality is I am malnourished. I haven't got any food. And my loss of joy, hope, enthusiasm and strength is because I haven't eaten in a believing way. And that's why I think this gives us hope. Because I don't believe we'll ever get to a place where all of our ducks line up, if you hear that statement, or in all of our circumstances. I don't think it's ever going to happen. There's never going to be a time where we say, do you know what, everything in my life is now perfectly hunky-dory, now I'm going to start trusting and feeding on God. If we're waiting for that day... Um, it, it won't come on this side, it will we'll be with him. That will be that day. Because I, I know that Jesus, Jesus said, in this life you will have troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And I think that taking heart that I've overcome the world isn't that I'm going to line everything up for you perfectly. It's that in the midst of the valley, there's bread for you. In the midst of the desert, there's water for you. In the midst of the crisis, I've got a word for you. In the midst of the pain, I've got a promise for you. In the midst of things that haven't yet happened the way you need them to, I want to say something from my heart to you. It's in the personal word from God that we find the strength and the sustenance to walk through valleys and challenges and setbacks. And so, that fills me with hope. Because it means that God has a resource for me and God has a resource for you right now where you can draw on strength and you can get bread and you don't have to be thirsty and that you can feast in the middle of life. That you can have a joy and a hope and a peace that's in some way divorced from the circumstances and the situations that we're going through. Now I'm not saying that's I'm not um, saying that we deny pain. I'm not saying that we deny mourning. I'm not saying that we deny difficulty because the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. <laughs> There's an acknowledgement, yeah, I'm weak. But I'm going to make a different declaration than just I'm weak. In him, I'm strong. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. There's a strength. There's a capacity. There's a power. So Samson, people wanted to know, what was the secret of Samson's strength? 
Now, if Samson had been built like a barn, I don't think they would have been asking that question. If Samson had been at the gym every day and his biceps, actually I had a friend called AD who could not scratch his own shoulder because his bicep was so big. And, um, and I believe he had, his girlfriend had to scratch his shoulder for him. And I thought that, was, that wasn't natural. I, you know, I, I just thought, I don't think we were meant to have biceps like that. Um, but if Samson had had biceps like that, do you, no one would have asked Samson, what's the secret of your strength? They wouldn't have gone after Delilah and find, what's the, find out the Samson's strength. Because if it was physical, no one would have asked. It was a, it was a covenantal thing of his long hair. And Nehemiah says, the, the joy of the Lord is to be your strength. And so I think that means that in the midst of life, in the midst of circumstances, in fact... In Nehemiah, they had just been cut to the heart because Ezra had just read out the, the law and they realised that actually they failed God, there's weeping. And actually Ezra said, uh, in the book says, the joy of the Lord your strength. Actually this is good news day, God has come to renew the covenant with you. So I think there's a strength that's available to believers where people have to ask you, what, what's the secret of your strength? What's the secret of your hope? What's the secret of your joy? Because I know your life and I know your circumstances and I know your finances and I know your job, but you seem to have a life that is radically different from the life that I have. And then we say, I've got a secret. I've got a secret to my strength and my vitality is the joy of the Lord is my strength. I've got a barn where I feed from that you don't know anything about. I've got food that you don't know anything about. And Jesus himself would say that, wouldn't he? I'm not hungry. My food is to do the will of God. He's binging, as it were, eating and digesting and nourished on the goodness of God. And so I think that's part of our testimony, that we can actually do evangelism through jealousy. I think that's an evangelistic strategy that's got real legs to it. You get so full of a bread and nourishment and honey from God that those around you want to know where you're eating. Well, where do you eat? Where do you drink? What's your source? I want to know about it. And so I think that we we read the Bible and we're looking for an encounter with his voice. You can go through a lot of challenging difficulty if you've got a promise from God, if he says something to you. And because we're his sheep, if you're a sheep this morning, you're one of his followers, a lamb, you can hear his voice. And so, great news for us all, we don't have to wait until the prophet, as it were, comes through and maybe he'll pick us out and give us a word. I can go and get a word from him every day of the week as many times as I want. And I'm not despising Ephesians 4 prophets. It's fantastic when God confirms his prophetic call in your heart. But that the believer can get words whenever they want. Just have to read this with an open heart, with the spirit, say, feed me, Lord, touch my heart. I need a word from you today. And he'll speak. He'll speak every single day. And so we read the Bible with the Holy Spirit who inspired it. Wow, that's that's amazing. So we get to read the Bible with the one who breathed it. We get to be with, with God who wrote it and put it down. And so there's scripture and power. So what I'm going to say to you, as you're reading it, you come to it and say... Actually, I need bread today, I need water today, I need food today. And as I'm reading, will you cause Holy Spirit a phrase, a word, an idea to 
pop out? Will there be that Rima word moment, that revelatory moment, that unveiling moment? Because I need bread, I need to have nourishment. And then he speaks and God encounters us. It's not just knowing the truth that sets you free, it's experiencing the truth that sets you free. We heard it this weekend, the gnosis, that illumination, that moment where it becomes a living, breathing word. That is not just a historical book or a historical thing he said to them. Now he's said it to me. I've got a promise from God. I've heard his heart. And so we encounter him. And then something happens inside us. There's an inner shift. Have you had that? You read the Bible and you come to it feeling hopeless and he says one word to you and the God of all hope fills you with joy and peace as you trust in him. And then actually you become overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you read it with the Spirit, you encounter God in it and there's an inner shift. An inner shift happens in our hearts which is the ignition, ignition of faith and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so sometimes actually it's good to read it out so your ears get to hear it. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's an inner shift. Faith gets ignited. Strength gets ignited. And then as you're feasting and eating, you begin to grow. And it's not just a shift in your heart anymore. It becomes a shift around you. So suddenly in believing, you become overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit to be an igniter of hope wherever you are. Because you're full. And so on the island, the guys who, who could help the community were the stronger ones who, who hadn't become emaciated and weak. They, they went out getting the food. And so we can be like that where, wherever we are, where, there's the, the, where people are malnourished because of hopelessness and malnourished because of rejection and malnourished because of, because of materialism that hasn't satisfied or malnourished because they're looking for an identity in what they do or in their family or in their marriage or in what they own. And there's malnourished people all around us and as we feast, we become brokers, carriers of hope. We, we become that Joseph generation, where Joseph said in the, in the plenty years, store a barn, and then in the famine years, people came and they distributed it, so no one was hungry. And we become those kind of Joseph people. Out of our storehouse, out of our well, we then feed others, and feed others with hope and, and truth and the good things of God. And this promise then enables us to walk through in the valley. Even though we might go through the valley of the shadow of death and we feel oppressed and it's challenging and difficulty, we feast on what he said and we believe him. Jesus says, I'm, I'm bread to you as you believe. It's actually relational. I choose to trust you. As we finish, I just want to say this. Sometimes people say, but... I don't always remember what I read. <laughs> I don't actually remember what I ate on Wednesday. I just know it, it did me good, and I know it sustained me, and I woke up on Thursday. And I think sometimes we just... Sometimes we just eat, because that's what we do. We, every day we sit down and have a meal, every day we have breakfast, every day we have lunch, every day we have our sandwiches, every day we sit down or have an evening meal because we know that food and digestion leads to 
to our strength and is what we need for life. He doesn't need, you don't need to necessarily remember every single verse that you read. And I think that's where the Holy Spirit can sometimes, he, he, once it's in there, he's got something to work with. And then when you need it, he's very good at reminding you of that thing you didn't even remember in the morning. Do you remember Jesus said on when, he's, when, he, when they ran out of wine, go and get me the vessels full of water. He wanted something to work with. Now he could have, if he wanted to, have turned an empty pot into wine. It was no more difficult, but he wanted this water. Give me something to work with. And sometimes God is like that with us. Just give me something to work with. Because just get a meal in you, just get some words in you, because then I've got something to work with in your heart. And I can do something in you and change you and bring hope to you. And that can be part of renewing your mind. Yeah. I felt like this, this preacher actually came down from one of the sessions where I'd sat with God and asked a question. And he, he said to me, do you need to understand how food works for it to work? <laughs> I thought that's a really good question. Because I don't need to understand that, because um, I researched it after, I, I don't really need to understand that digestion is partly mechanical and partly chemical. I didn't need to understand that when I was sitting in McDonald's, reading in McDonald's. <laughs> Which I thought was quite funny, his answer was in the restaurant. So. I, don't, I don't need to analyse how it works. I don't need to think, I am now going to eat, and as I chew, that's the mechanical part. And um, as it goes down, there's going to be a chemical reaction and an absorption of the food using the body's acids, which will become broken up into energy and, and strength. I, don't, I just eat it. Wow, this tastes good. That salmon's great. That, those chips are tasty. I'm enjoying the food. I don't need to understand. I just need to eat. <laughs> sometimes we want to... We, sometimes we want to... Um, we, we, don't, we want to have all that we, we try to do it all ourselves and we try to change ourselves and we try, try to um, transform ourselves but actually really what we really need is we just need to eat and we don't need to understand how Holy Spirit takes spiritual bread and feeds our bellies he just is so good at it give me something to work with give me something to work with and just as we finished, I'll, I'll say this promise over you that I've said a few times. God says, if you'll eat, I'll give you three years worth of growth in six months. I just feel that sometimes we're frustrated and we feel we're not growing as quick as we need to and we want to be stronger and more able, but actually we're not eating. I, mean, in the, I go to a gym, and not to do weights, as I guess you could probably notice, but there's guys in the gym who all they do is talk about body mass and putting on weight. And, uh, and uh, they just sort of, they cook, I need three kilos more, I need ten kilos more, I need to do these amount of reps, I need to do this. And uh, I actually don't know why I'm telling you that story, just to. Thanks, that's why. <laughs> yeah. You still don't know what the link is, but... <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter, does it? In other words, we just need to eat. We, we need to... I guess that's the link. These guys have got a plan. They're going to take powder. They're going to do whatever they're going to do. They're going to bulk up. They're going to strengthen. But 
I guess they don't really necessarily understand how it all works, but they're going to eat and they've got a program to get more mass on. And I just think we need to take this book in relationship with a God who absolutely loves us and devour it because we're wanting to grow in our appreciation of him so that we bring more glory to him, understanding his love and appreciation of us and understanding strength and vitality for a world that's starving and we need to eat. Can I just ask us to stand and...